Hello and welcome to another episode of the Data for Subscriptions podcast, this time going live. My name is Biera Donian, I'm your host, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Hannah Hanrahan to our show. Uh, Hannah, you're Head of Revenue Operations at Atrius Enterprise Solutions. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here and chat with you today. For everybody tuning in today, you can drop your questions and comments into the chat. We'll make sure that we pick them up along the way, or we'll make sure that there's also a Q&A section at the end, at which point you can either add additional questions and we'll also pick up the remaining ones along the way that you've added. All right. With that, Hannah, tell us what you do at Atrius Enterprise Solutions. Yeah. Um, so I lead our revenue operations team. And my team focuses on really streamlining the customer journey. And um, we do this through supporting what I call the backstage operations. So um, really working to make sure people process tools, handoffs, all of those elements across the customer journey are working well together. Um, so we do this by really fostering collaboration and visibility across all the go-to-market teams. And some of the core processes we oversee are things like the end-to-end quote-to-cash process. So from external training of um, our sales team to the back end and making sure all the pieces are functioning correctly. Um, and then the SaaS contract amendment and renewal process is one that we own and um, you know hold in place and make sure everybody understands how it works and then the technology backs it too. Um, then we've also got just our traditional sales ops, right? Deal desk approvals, sales methodology, making sure that our sales team is productive, um, training and enablement, and supporting execs on various KPI tracking. So just, just a little taste of what we're doing um, on our side. Gotcha. And tell us more about the company as well. And I understand you're part of Acuity Brands. We are, yeah. Yep, so Acuity Brands has been around for quite some time. You may have encountered them. Um, they're a market-leading industrial technology company, and our mission is really to use technology to solve problems in spaces, light, and more things to come. So we're constantly innovating across the company. Um, we've got a global footprint and are broken into two segments. So we've got the Acuity Brands and Acuity Lighting Controls, and then we've got the Intelligent Spaces group, which is where Atrius fits in. And on the Intelligent Spaces group, our goal is to make um, buildings smarter, safer, and greener. And we're doing this through software, sensors, and controls. So there's quite a bit going on, um, lots of, of room to you know, play around with just various process and systems. Um, I'd also say that it's it's a very values-driven organization from the top down. So it might be rare in a company of this size and um, that's been around for so long, but there's a lot of innovation within the company and that's really coming from the top down. Um, you know, our leaders really instill this owner's mindset within the associates. And so it's, it's an interesting and fun place to be. And tell us a little bit more about the objective uh, for the company. And perhaps if you want, you can expand a little bit more on Acuity Brands and down to Intelligent Spaces Group. But mostly, of course, let's spend time on Atrius. Yeah. Yeah. So at Atrius, our core products are energy and sustainability. 
um, which is software that enables sustain sustainability managers and facility operators to centralize their energy and utility data, normalize it, um, visualize it in standard reports, and then they can um, accelerate their path to zero emissions and identify ways to bring down that energy cost. Um, and this is pretty difficult to do because, you know, the hardware in buildings isn't always um, something that is accessible. So there's a piece of integrating that into, you know, a software platform and then that normalizing piece. Um, I would say we have a pretty excellent example of this that um, our, our company just launched with our annual Earth Light report. And um, what's exciting about this report is it's really a culmination of utilizing our atrius energy and sustainability in our own manufacturing environment to enable us to track um, carbon emissions and then report out on it. And so we're using it to really bring down our own consumption and meet our own sustainability goals. Yeah. And to uh, spin on that, then if we would look at it from more of a business model perspective as, as the uh, framing of the session conversation today alluded to, you're driving a SaaS-based model within Atrius, within the totality of the company. So tell us more about how it is to build a software as a service business within you know, a, a technology leader that has been around for you know, over 100 years, I believe. Right, yeah. Um, so I would say the way our business is, is segmented, it enables Atrius to operate independently. And I think that setup has enabled us to, um, you know, foster and build a team that's really focused on subscriptions and software and driving best practices and the tools and technology that we use within this business line. But um, while this independence gives us flexibility, there's also a challenge there, right? Because we are one business and we do try to work closely together. And so sometimes that independence creates silos in terms of, just the, the tools and the systems and being able to sell together. Um, so that's where, you know, back to my role, I, I think there's the role of growing Atrius energy and sustainability. And then there's the role of helping break down the silos um, there and identifying opportunities for us to work better together from that operational backend perspective. And a lot of times that comes to just, you know, educating teams on product versus subscription and looking for ways and opportunities um, that we can translate some of what we're doing on our side into other business practices across the organization. So we're going to break down the respective parts of the challenges, but before we do, you want to talk a little bit about an important point you made in terms of the difference between a product and a subscription, because you called that out. And I, and I think that's an important point for you to mm -hmm. elaborate a little bit more. What are the specific challenges and differences? Yeah. I mean, the one that I kind of go to is, you know, a visual of, you know, a product tends to be a one-time sell and it's just like a strong, it's more linear, right? Where, a subscription, that customer journey is really circular. And when I go back to our customer journey and how our teams work with each other, we need to have a really succinct, streamlined way of working together that sets various teams up for success. Um, so I talk a lot about to my team and the teams about 
about that, right? It's not just doing your job and then throwing it over the fence and assuming the other person's going to do it. Everything that we do builds up to a satisfied customer, a streamlined onboarding experience, and then ultimately like expansion and renewals. And so, um, again, that model is very, uh, it, it, it's very much a SaaS model, um, but I think there's a lot of that that can be translated into, you know, a product-led business too. There's a lot of the customer piece, um, but renewals management, subscription management, start date, end dates, kind of living in that world of amending contracts and that type of stuff is is what I tend to talk a lot about internally. Um, I'd say the other one is just KPIs and metrics, you know. Um, I was on a call recently and we we're talking about ARR. And it's two very different parts of the business. And, and in that, the language of ARR was interpreted differently, right? For a subscription business, it's, you know, are you continuing to grow your annual revenue based on start date, end date? It's not like invoices and orders. And so the data that you need to collect to be able to create that type of report is a little bit different, right? And there's a little bit of a learning curve there. Um, so th those are some of the areas that I, I tend to um, run into often just in the day-to-day. -day. How many products are you running at Adrius today? So today we have three core product lines, um, but the back end of that, you know, is about 200 SKUs um, just with the various options and configurations and, um, you know, ways that we're selling it. Gotcha. And uh, how does your pricing structure, uh, you alluded to with the two, 200 different SKUs and so on, but uh, just walk us through, you have um, subscriptions, you've already mentioned usage, uh, any form of hybrid? We do have a hybrid usage solution. Um, so yeah, subscription, annual subscription, um, you know, and then yeah, usage, we do usage. It's probably not the most streamlined way of doing it. It's a bit of a manual process, um, but we offer that to some of our customers as well. Um, and, you know, we have like a tiered, different various tiers that will, you know, based on quantity. Um, so kind of waterfall pricing methodologies. Um, it's pretty straightforward. I think that's kind of the, the main ones that we're tackling. So many companies that have been doing subscription in, let's say, various shapes and forms uh, for a long period are now kind of looking into usage-based. Uh, when you've looked at your customer base, uh, what was the triggering point for you to uh, start to deploy and use usage on top of subscription, basic subscriptions, I'd say? Yeah, so, well, we, we do collect data on our side, right? That's part of how the it's these devices that we're connecting into and buildings have data points. And so the data that's consumed and then reportable um, is a huge part of the value, right? That we're offering to customers. And so um, so that's where, you know, we've landed on exploring that as um, a way of pricing the, the whole system itself. Has, have you so far at least uh, seen customer demand or customer request for usage, or is it mostly, as you already said, that you learn from your sensor and product usage, and therefore you can also use that as a means of offering? Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's some evaluation going there um, in terms of if that's a, a model to go deeper into. Um, there are different contract scenarios that we encounter as well where it makes more sense. So some of these are partners, right, who are reselling. And so in that scenario, you know, we'll have a, a contract with our partner, just kind of standard annual. And then as they bring on data for their customers, that's where there's a little bit of a variable in terms of the usage. So um, I think it kind of comes down to really that, that contract scenario um, and then a little bit more exploration on, um, you know, do the, how it would make sense with the direct users. Let's talk about your uh, quote to cash uh, setup. You want to walk us through what you have? Yeah, um, it's it's pretty simple. So we use Salesforce is really a core piece of what we're using. Yeah. Um, and we use CPQ within that to manage configuration, pricing, our products, um, subscriptions, contracts, right? All of those pieces are included. And we use Avalara. It's connected in for the tax part of it. And then we connect to Maxio, which is the invoicing, billing, where we're doing our ARR. Um, and that's that's really it at the moment for us. There's a few different systems internally. And um, so our core piece is nice. Opening that up to the different business units is one of the, I guess, challenges that is on my list. Yeah, I was about to go there, but I, I just before, um, for CRM, you use Salesforce as well, or do you have a different tool for it? We do. Yep. Yeah. We use Salesforce as well. So for CPQ and CRM. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about uh, the point that you already mentioned now. Of course, you exist within a large organization that has obviously its own quote to cash kind of structure, so to say. So why why is this uh, is it a challenge on its own to kind of dock in? Yeah. And the, the challenge is, you know, as we work more closely together, um, and having different systems and integrating them together and then, you know, having unified data and consistent data, all of those pieces, um, you know, come up. And so as well as some systems are set up in one way, so we're set up really to manage the SaaS piece of the business. And others are more of that transactional, not tracking start dates, end dates, some of those pieces that are critical for our core business. Um, so as we talk about, you know, selling through different channels or different parts of the business, um, this is where we run into what's the, the easiest path to transact. And how do you manage for that today? I guess you have to put in a lot of manual labor to do that. Yeah, that's, well, I think we're just kind of scratching the surface here, right? So, um, and the workaround that we have in place is somewhat manual, right? Um, it's kind of a handoff and we've got a divided, at this point, it comes into our system when we drag this element of it. So um, each business is really continuing to manage um, in the way that they have always managed. Um, for the customer, it's not always ideal, right? Because if you're selling a suite and you're purchasing through different entities, yeah, that's um, that's not my ideal. So that's one that I'm kind of continuing to push on how how do we handle that in a different way without breaking systems? Because you know many of these companies are established, 
Um, and really there's only like a, a few core companies. It's not like we've got um, tons of variations, but um, we're not gonna rip and replace, right? And um, so just really identifying what are those ways that we can connect these systems? That's like yeah. the path of least resistance, really. I think what you're going through is very common, at least from my experience of vantage point, especially when you are a unit trying to drive, a, let's say, innovation or just a different business model like you do when you exist in, in an organization that obviously has a quote to cash infrastructure in place, having done business for years, and they're just simply set up and their capabilities as well are completely different. Uh, just to follow a question on this so you do have uh, custom situations where the customer not just buys the acuity uh, sorry the atrius solutions it's uh, combined from for example the division with the intelligence basis group it could be something from acuity brands other divisions so so and then the customer then would have multiple pieces of invoice is that the case yeah we we do have a few scenarios like that um and again those are not, um, you know, not the norm, but I think that's the direction that we'd like to go in, right? And so we do encounter that, um, yeah. Of course, makes a lot of sense from a company standpoint that you want to basically leverage your entire portfolio to sell to customers and fulfill their needs. Mm -hmm. But then off the back of that, from a customer perspective, you want to have one invoice and not several. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's go back a little bit more to the usage base uh, pricing that we spoke about a few minutes ago. Um, typically, I want to get your pulse on it. Typically, while basically most companies want to try and do it, it's also a bit scary because it's perceived as being complex. Do you have your view on why that could be? Um, yeah. So, I mean, my my view on the complexity because I I got a little deep into trying to unlock this on our side. Um, so one, there's getting the usage out of the actual product, right? And so that's an entire work stream on that side. Um, and then delivering that to your system that has your contracted rate with your customer. And then that system needs to get it to your billing and invoicing tool, right? And so there's a few layers to unravel. Um, I think some tools that are out in the market space today, if you're starting fresh, you can do a lot of it. But the complexity is often in the tools that you already have established, right? And not necessarily wanting to rip and replace one to make it all work together. Got it. Let's talk a little bit more about the different systems that are out there because many do opt for good and bad to go with a, let's say a homegrown, you know, you build it yourself and try to fulfill the needs as best as you can versus to get like a purpose-built system. What is your take on on the respective and you of course alluded here to the fact that there are software in the market that does this very well what's your take do you think that what is your advice as well in terms of setting this up in the best way yeah so i think my experience here comes a bit more from having moved from on the hra side a homegrown cpq tool to salesforce cpq 
Um, and I, I think usage based fits well into here, right? Where there, it, we, we built something and somebody built it before I got there, right? And so it wasn't clearly documented how all of the pieces worked together. And there were, I think it was built well for initially tracking a contract and a subscription. But when you got through to renewals, amendments, prorating, um, it started to fall apart. There were just a lot of pieces that didn't um, get thought through all the, all the way. Um, and so th those are kind of the challenges, right? I think if you have a person dedicated and you're really committed to continuing to build that and own it and have clear documentation on how all the pieces work together, which is a pretty big undertaking, right? Normally you want your engineers focused on the product itself. Um, that's what you run into versus, um, you know, there, there are, it's a market out there. So I, I kind of would rather depend on the Salesforce CPQs and the other tools out there who live and breathe this and are constantly dealing with these challenges every day um, you know, to run it on our side, then try to cobble it together and keep it running and working. Usage-based, I'd imagine, is similar in that there's a lot of gotchas along the way that you just don't have line of sight on until you're there. And then you've got to figure out how to work through it and fix how it's been built. That's a great point that you made in terms of when it comes to usage base, there's a lot of aha moments that you don't know what you don't know, which is great that you raised because again, my perception is that you, you want to have a setup where you can test, learn, and you can change, adapt quickly without cornering yourself because you actually don't know to your own point that you made a few minutes ago you we don't know exactly because there's still room for some testing you said you said that you're picking up uh usage from your product based on the sensors and now you're testing you want to see how that's received and that agility and flexibility is it's really really important let me ask you within realistic frames what is an ideal kind of usage data management setup for you now we've spoken about one important thing which i can just maybe start with is the importance of the system being able to kind of dock in to what you already have it seems but if you would you know you could make your wish list here yeah i mean easy to use but um like so ideal um so I've encountered usage mainly through um, a desire on our site to be more, uh, have more of a product-led growth mentality. And, um, and I see that almost as unlocking another sales channel, right? So we have our direct sales channel, we've got our channel partners, um, you know, self-serve is another channel we could unlock. And I think the product-led piece is similar to self-serve, but kind of along the same lines. Um, and my ideal is having, you know, one kind of unified system at the core that all of these pieces can just simply feed through and use that core infrastructure um, and then pass through seamlessly to the invoicing and the billing part of it. Um, so 
you know, my vision is really a pretty unified data platform that all of these pieces are not rebuilt and coming out of different systems, but leveraging a similar product SKU, plug into a unified account view, just like seamless integration, right? Um, yeah. So I don't know if that's, I think it is achievable with many of the tools out there, but um, I don't know if that's the detail that you're looking for. No, but, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I was about to just ask you, uh, there's this term that uh, I keep hearing uh, often is a single source of truth for data. Does that resonate with you? Is that what you're thinking of when you say a unified system that kind of orchestrates it all, that can talk to the different systems? Yeah, and I think where I encountered this in particular, it, so there's one of the customer view. So what the customer has purchased, their start date, their contracts, the specific licenses. And then I think the other is that more backend piece of your product, you know, so right now I actually set up products in three different systems because we have to, right? But um, I think the unity actually starts to even get into that element, right? Of just a shared product, you know, skew across systems, which could potentially go into different business units, right? And like um, solve some of the silo challenges that we have. That's what I kind of think about with Unified. Gotcha. Let's talk a bit more about your go-to-market as well, because we've talked about the product, we've talked about you know your infrastructure and backend. So you already mentioned you have your own um, sales organization. Yeah. You uh, you've alluded to the fact that you want to do more and more PLG, uh, product-led growth, uh, which uh, you know I could see self-serve, self-serve, self kind of consumption mode, but you also sell through channel, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've got kind of a, a direct sales motion. Um, I think product led is a little future state, but, um, and then we also sell through the channel, um, through one of our, um, sister companies that's part of ISG. You want to talk about the, some of the, let's say challenges that you have with, let's talk about direct and your sales channel because of the, because of the topics that we discussed today. The challenges on the direct side. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If there are any in terms of, you know, given what we've spoken about, how your yeah. portfolio is structured and your backend, uh, what potential challenge do you have on the direct side? Yeah. On the direct side, I would say our system today is mostly built for the direct sales okay. motion. I think it can always be easier and maybe there's like self-serve elements that we introduce to the customer that takes the sales rep out of some of those cycles. Yep. Um, but I, I think our system is, you know, leveraging CPQ in a way that actually that part's pretty streamlined. It's never going to be yep. perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the challenges I think we encounter more are on that channel side. Um, and that's, potentially solvable with more of a self-serve, but it's just a very different sales motion, right? Where we're a few layers from the end user. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we encounter, we're a little bit of a middleman um, in making sure that we're tracking subscriptions, tracking renewals, some of those processes and just that um, expertise don't exist within the channel and they might not necessarily want to do that. Um, so those are kind of the 
the nuances that we run into on that end. Let me just double click on that on the channel side so I make sure I understand. So is it so that your channel uh, sales, they're not from a capability standpoint as ready uh, to sell subscriptions as you as you are or at least your portfolio modality requires because you 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 yeah, you're selling basically only subscriptions so that's the only way to sell is that the challenge um that is the challenge yeah yeah and how do you solve for that today given everything that we've discussed if they're not really apt to do that but you're still selling through the channel how's that yeah. So today, you know, I think it's about like the relationships, the channel enablements, really focusing on the channel partners who are more interested kind of in that approach and see the value in it. But it's also a bit of um, showing the value there and guiding and really helping bring them along with us. Um, so it and I think as far as the backend systems go, this one I'm still kind of trying to unlock a bit of just how, you know, how do we make it more easy for them, um, giving them tools and systems that are simple um, to manage that on their side. Gotcha. All right, great. Let's see if we have any questions coming in. Right, none so far that we can pick up. So let me let me go one more. So for anybody who is kind of sitting in the same situation as you, which I'll attempt a summary of, which is that you exist in a large successful organization that has been around for a long time, obviously a mature code to cash infrastructure for selling product in one time. And now has a unit that kind of drives the business model shift towards subscriptions and further into usage. What is your advice of the key, let's say, capabilities and aspects to take into consideration to successfully execute on that motion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I would say I, I definitely consider it a journey, right? It's, um, it's a bit of a journey to get here. And there's a lot of different ways of approaching it. Um, and I, I like to often think of just a crawl, run, walk, you know, so starting small. And what I've seen is there are actually a lot of parallels and things that are the same in terms of just how um, service contracts or maintenance are, are set up, right? And, and that they've got start date, end dates. And those things can translate pretty well into a subscription model, right? And can be an easy starting point to get your processes aligned. Um, but I think there's a bit of a buy-in here too. And it really needs, because to do some of this, especially in a larger organization, we're talking about internal systems that are at the root of the company, right? And so, you know, if you're not an established um, side of the business like we are, where we're kind of independent to manage some of these things, it can be a little bit challenging. And so I think there's, you know, a bit of maybe identifying areas that you can monetize and putting a dollar behind it yeah. and then starting to establish some um, buy-in across different leaders that can help move that forward. Um, I think it really does have to start from the top too at some point where the team recognizes that it's something that they want to do from a leadership side and, 
and realize that it is a, a different business model, right? Where you're going to need specific teams, expertise, um, maybe some technology um, incorporated into this into the tool set um, to start to build it. So I think those are really core, um, you know, and it comes to just a really succinct strategy vision. And then that can be broken down into small, simple steps to slowly move there. And usage is like the end, you know, like usage is pretty complex. And so starting there might actually not be the place to start um, if you need to build up the systems and the internal rigor to be able to, to just manage more of a subscription side of the business. Somebody, you know, I'm not sure this is a perfect uh, way of phrasing it, but somebody said usage is basically subscriptions on steroids, meaning that it's everything that subscription does. It's just it's more, it's more sophisticated, it allows you to do much more personalized, if you will. But it also comes, if you will, at a cost in the sense that it's just it requires much more. As you've been quite precise on with regards to your quote to cash uh, system that you have, how you're managing today, also the competence questions, the intra-company challenges that you have as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I do think it's achievable. It just, you know, it entails a, a good strategy, a good plan to, and having that top-level buy-in um, to then just start going through and starting, you know, to start small. Absolutely. I would second that for sure that and we also have many companies that have successfully deployed and gone quite far with usage based and of course that typically ends up being a hybrid because there's always subscription on some level and then there's usage on top of for sure but yeah. it is so that the requirements just escalate quite dramatically when you go but i'm keen on asking you because you've uh, talked about that uh, a self-serve also plg mode is something of a you know coming next i'm Keen on asking you, so what's, what excites you about the next, say, 6 to 12 months? The next 6 to 12 months? Um, I think we have some really exciting, just kind of better together opportunities within these business units, especially on the ISG side. Um, and so seeing some of these strategies and pieces come together is exciting, right? It, it's it's tough. It's not an easy thing to do what we're trying to do. And, um, but I can kind of see that light at the end of the tunnel. And so, um, it's an exciting place to be. Um, you know, I see just the industry talking a lot about sustainability. We were in the smart buildings kind of area and, you know, bringing devices and sensors and things that are really on the edge into this platform. Um, you know, it's, it's an exciting spot. And I think it's something that other companies and industries have already gone through, but we're just starting to experience it on the building side. Personally, I think you're in a super interesting space. And, you know, the whole notion, we spent a lot of time today about talking about how you're going to deliver in, in relation to your business model. But if we talk about what you actually do, simplifying building owners, facility owners, and basically being able to get more out of their investments at the same time do so in a, in a sustainable fashion. Mm -hmm. Super critical, I think, is top of mind for, for, for everybody. I also think it's really exciting that you, in spirit of your crawl, walk, run, that you're definitely in walking mode 
across the board, I would say. So it's going to be really interesting to follow you guys in terms of how you move forward with um, potentially dipping your toes into some form of a self-serve mode that can help both your channel side, your direct mode, as well as just going maybe all the way over over, over time. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there. <laughs> I'm going to attempt uh, my take on the most pressing points that you've raised and... Um, uh, let's see if I got them right or if you uh, help me by correcting me. To me, it's striking how you have consistently talked about the ability of integrating with existing systems. Because while if all of us could start fresh, we could do differently, and that is very seldom the case. So existing systems easily integrate reusing existing investments it's very clear from what you've said yeah the, the avoid written replace um is a follow-on on that one you also mentioned user interface and the ability of easily being able to uh, to manage that it being important because you do uh, put in a lot of manual efforts to make it work today yes absolutely yeah and the third thing that I take with me is what I actually wrote down that was very well said is this unified system that kind of orchestrates and manage, you know, the data flow so that it can connect to all of the different systems and can work now and in the future. Did I miss anything important, Hannah? I think those are the big ones. I think you did a good job. Yeah. Pass the test. Thank you so yes, much. Hannah, this has been uh, really fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk about this stuff in the weeds with somebody who appreciates it. <laughs> Certainly. And thanks to everybody tuning in today.